1 Timothy chapter 4. And I was hoping I could get this lapel working, but doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Praise the Lord anyhow. The Spirit expressly says, chapter 4, 1 Timothy. The Spirit expects, expressly says that in the latter times, some will fall or will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from food which God has created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do lift up our voice before you. We are humbled that the God of creation turns his eyes towards us. We are grateful that you are mindful of us. We thank you, O oh God, that our very names are engrafted on the very palms of your hand. God, there is nothing about us that escapes your notice. And yet you still love us. And now, oh God, we lift up our voices and our thoughts to you. God, would you receive our adoration because you are worthy, oh God, of all the praise. You are worthy, O oh God, to be adored. And so, God, we celebrate your presence today. Be pleased, O oh God, with our presence as we worship you in spirit and in truth. And the church said amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. We do thank the Lord for his presence today. We ask that you would just continue to pray as we believe God for great things here at New Direction. We are resuming the series of sermons that I started back in July, the final countdown. And God led me to a very unusual title for our message today. God has abandonment issues. Unless we show irreverence to that name that is above every name, I want to give some clarity on what I mean when I say that our God has abandonment issues. If you are a psychotherapist and you're working with a client who is diagnosed as having abandonment issues, emotional abandonment issues, your focus will be 
on addressing feelings in that client's life that are based in fear and anxiety of being rejected or excluded from someone's life, someone's life that matters to them. Amen. Amen. We're just moving that back, not off. Amen. How about that? Amen. You still with me? When we talk about abandonment issues with God, it has nothing to do with fear of rejection. Uh, it has nothing to do with anxiety, but the word abandonment comes from the Greek word apostasia. Apostasia. And that word apostasia that is in the Greek language is rendered in our English Bible in various forms. Sometimes it appears in our English Bible as apostasy, falling away, to defect, to rebel, to revoke, to renounce, to depart, to deny. Apostasia can be translated or transliterated, turn away. It often appears in our English Bible as backslide, to backslide, or as in our text today, verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter days, some will abandon, apostatize the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5, the Apostle Paul adds that not only will some defect, some revolt, some denounce or renounce their faith in apostasy, it says in the last days there will be a great falling away from the faith. Even Jesus made reference to this apostasy, this turning away in Matthew's chapter 24, verses 10 through 12. He says, and at that time, many will turn away, apostatize from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold. We live in those times now. It is estimated that approximately 75% of Christian youth who were raised in the church, when they graduate from high school, they apostatize. They leave the church and never return. Now, while they may turn from God, they do turn to something else. They turn to the ways of the world. We often scratch our head and we wonder, how could somebody serve so faithfully and 
sing so wonderfully and teach so impressively and only to come to a place in their life where they no longer call themselves Christian. I want you to understand that when people fall away, when they turn from God as it will be in the masses in the last of the last days that I believe we're living in today, it never happens suddenly. It happens gradually and subtly over time. Often when people turn from God in apostasy, they don't even realize how far they have drifted from God until they reach a point of no return. I want you to understand that when it comes to turning our backs on God in apostasy, when it comes to renouncing our faith, God is almost like the groom that is standing at the altar. He's purchased the ring. He's courted the bride. He's, he's purchased all of the things that are necessary to say to the bride, I love you, and the bride has agreed to the marriage only to leave God standing alone at the altar on the day when marriage is supposed to be consummated. It's no wonder why God has an abandonment issue, because many have renounced him. Many have drifted away from the faith. Now, what does it actually mean when we talk about abandoning the faith? Apostasia. I want to describe what someone who says they have abandoned the faith might sound like. <clears throat> this is an individual who has made a profession of faith that they have received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. And maybe for an extended period, they have walked with Christ. But after a deliberate evaluation of their faith, they come to the conclusion that they no longer believe the Bible, they no longer consider themselves Christians, and often they will say, I'm agnostic, I'm an atheist, I'm Buddhist now, I'm following Islam, but they make a conscious decision that they are no longer following what the Bible teaches about being a Christian. They reject Christianity. That person is an apostate. Now, the interesting thing about that person, they may have been a pastor of a church. They may have been an elder in the church. They may have been a deacon or a Christian writer, a person who is a famous singer, a songwriter. It could be somebody that you've been serving in the church with for years. But they decide. This Christian thing is no longer for me. I'm sure some of you have met people like that. They've been on fire. They're in the church. And then the next thing you know, they're somewhere hanging out on the corner doing weed, you know, smoking weed for whatever. Weed. <coughs> I get it right. 
And if you say something to them, they're aggravated that you would even try to attach them to being a Christian. Such a person is an apostate. They have made a voluntary, deliberate denunciation of the faith. I am no longer a Christian. Now, while a person can say, I am no longer a Christian, a true Christian can never stop being a Christian. In fact, here's how the Apostle John puts it in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. He says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have, not, they would have remained with us. But their going shows that none of them belong to us. And so while somebody says, I'm not a Christian anymore, I'm this, I'm that. Well, you either are a Christian or you never were. And if you leave and don't return, it's because you never were. You simply made a profession. The Bible says, many shall say in that day, Lord, have I not? And the Lord will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And so a profession does not make you a practicing Christian. But if you are a Christian, you can never stop being a part of the body of Christ because who the Lord gives to Jesus, no one can pluck them out of the Father's hand. <clears throat> this is very clear in the example of Judas. Judas followed Jesus for three years. He was a part of the ministry. He saw the miracles, even participated. He was the church's or the ministry's treasurer. But Christ said of Judas to the, to the 12, one of you is a devil. And so even though Judas was associated with Christ, he was not saved. And so it's possible for people that you serve with in the church who have a zeal for God, while at the same time they never really knew God. So we shouldn't be surprised when people say, I'm no longer a Christian. How could you serve a God that, 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 that hates certain sins? How can you serve a God that, 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 that doesn't allow me to love who I want to love? Well, the God of the Bible says that the God, my wrath is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and against all of those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what the sin is. God hates our sin. He loves the sinner, but he will always call out sin. And so the first group of apostates are individuals who deliberately, voluntarily denounce their beliefs in Christianity and what is taught in the Bible about how to follow Jesus. But there's a second larger group called, uh, that are a part of this apostasy that the Lord speaks of in the last days. This refers to Christians who have drifted away from following God. These people are often actively involved in church ministry. But privately, they have strayed from the Lord. The Bible calls these kinds of Christians who fake, uh, abandon the Lord or forsake the Lord in their private lives, God calls them 
backsliders. Now, these backsliders are those who intentionally live lives that are contrary to the word and or those who are controlled by a life-dominating sin. You may know somebody who is in a backslidden condition, and they sing in the choir every Sunday. They love singing. They just don't love the Jesus they sing about. The Bible warns us about drifting from the Lord in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. It says, we must pay attention most, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. Now, the interesting thing about that warning is that it's not just for new Christians. This is a general alert to all believers that you never get so comfortable, so confident that you don't think it can happen to you. Scripture says, pay most careful attention to the things that you have heard so that you will not drift away. I've met a lot of Christians who have drifted away from the Lord in church every Sunday. They even have their devotions. When we drift away from God's word, we are abandoning him and our abandonment, our, our, our rejection of allowing the spirit of God to control us in our private lives, it grieves him. It causes the Holy Spirit to be in agony. It gives God's, it gives God's issues. God has issues with our abandonment when we act like we don't know him. And that's why the Bible says he chastens those who he loves. God will chasing us, discipline us, and we'll see the problem is what's happening in the world today, we don't connect it with the chastening of the Lord. God is judging the world right now. That's why we're in this mess. Now, there are at least four ways Christians who are in a backslidden condition can apostatize, can abandon God. And one of those ways is intellectual abandonment. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. He says, now about foods sacrificed to idols. We know that we, we all possess knowledge. We all have knowledge. But knowledge alone puffs up while love builds up. Now, in this passage of Scripture, in chapter 8, extending through chapter 11, the Apostle Paul is dealing with what is called Christian liberties or doubtful things or the gray areas. Can a Christian have a drink? Can a Christian go to the movies? Uh, is it okay for a Christian to wear makeup or not wear makeup? And so there is a group of Christians, the mature Christians, understood that there's nothing necessarily wrong with those things. We are at, Paul says, I have liberty to do my Christian liberties. Where God is not absolute, we can't be. Where God doesn't make a mandate, we can't make mandates because God is the one who has the authority as our Lord to make commandments to give direction to our life. And so there's some things that God doesn't necessarily say that are wrong. 
But when we intellectually abandon God, what we do is we abuse our Christian liberties. What we do is we exclude the Holy Spirit out of our social life. We don't consult the Holy Spirit on how, and how we interact on social media. We don't include the Holy Spirit when we go on vacation. We do not consider how my conduct or my attitude will affect weaker Christians and unbelievers. And so we can abandon God by disregarding how my actions will impact the weaker brother because God, the Holy Spirit, has nothing to say about my choices on the Internet. Well, I'm not going to find a passage of Scripture that says, Thou shalt not wear a bikini and show it on Facebook. I'm not going to find that. I'm not going to find anything that you, you know, don't wear a bikini that looks like you're wearing a body thong that thou shall not do. I ain't going to find that on the, in, in, in Scripture. But I guarantee you that when someone's looking at you in a bathing suit that looks like a thong, they ain't thinking about Jesus. I guarantee you when you sent that photo out, you weren't trying to lead nobody to Jesus by showing it. And so I believe that we have become so comfortable in how we behave in public settings in our social life as Christians that the world cannot see the difference between walking with Jesus and not being saved at all. I hear the word of God say, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. I hear the word of Lord says, we're in the world, but not of the world. You can intellectually abandon God by abusing your freedoms in Christ. I don't see nothing in the Bible that I can't smoke. Where you see something about reason in the Bible? Yeah, I was showing how all the liquor I have in my house. We're saying the Bible, I can't show that I, I'm, a, I'm a connoisseur of various alcoholic beverages. It doesn't say that, but I do hear the word say, knowledge alone puffs up, but love edifies. When, when you are under the control of the Spirit of God, you will be concerned that your actions can keep somebody from seeing Jesus. I'm home now. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. So there's intellectual abandonment. Don't use your liberties as an excuse to destroy someone and prevent them from seeing Jesus. Then there's emotional abandonment. We see this in Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 6. Here's what John the Apostle writes. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. They were strong doctrinally. They were strong in their ministry within the church. You have persevered and have endured hardship. They took a licking and kept on ticking for Jesus. And you've not grown weary. And he says, yet I have this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. 
They're engrossed in ministry, serving the Lord, standing for sound doctrine, but they've fallen out of love with Jesus. They're going through the motions. The Lord is using them, but he's not working through them. And so it's possible to be active in church ministry, but not in love with Jesus, not have any passion for the things of Christ. You're simply operating on empty, and because of your gift. The Bible says that gifts are, re- are without repentance. You can be in sin, but your gift, because it's from God, it will still work. The Word of God still works. But if you don't love the Lord... If the fire has gone out, if the thrill is gone, the Lord is saying, I don't care if you offer everything you have to feed the poor, have the gift of faith to speak to mountains and tell mountains to move. If you don't have love, you have abandoned me. I love Jesus. Well, how do you love me? But you hate the ones I created. The greatest proof of your love for the Lord is how you love those who God has created, especially those who are unlovable. We might as well put ourselves in that list. And so there's intellectual abandonment where we make excuses, where we don't include the Lord in our decisions, in our private social life when it comes to Christian liberties. There's emotional abandonment, but there's also theological abandonment. And here's what Jude says in verse 4. He says, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. False teachers have slipped into the church. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality again using liberties as a justification for sin. The Bible says don't make provision for the fulfilling of the lust of the flesh. Avoid the very appearance of evil. That's what God says. It says, for immorality and deny, here's the doctrine, Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. So there's theological apostasy or abandonment or denouncement denouncement of God when we don't believe what the Bible says about what it says. We reject the teachings of the Bible, especially the parts that we don't like. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, you don't live with my wife. Come under the authority of your own husband. That was back in Paul's day. Paul was a chauvinist. and He don't understand. He wasn't even married. No, 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 no. God says, obey your husband in the Lord as unto me. And so you can be theologically guilty of abandoning the Lord by picking and choosing parts of the Bible you like and dislike. Teaching false doctrine about salvation, false doctrine about who God is. God never said we wouldn't get sick. God didn't say he'd heal everybody. If he did, none of us would die. But I hear a God who says that I will not only heal you, 
where you need healing the most, and that is by his stripes I'm healed from the greatest disease of all, and it's called sin. It separated me from God. But not only does he heal me from my sin, but the same God may heal me from my physical disease, but if he doesn't, I still can't lose because I'm going to a place where he's already prepared a body for me that'll never get sick again. I pray for healing, but I accept the will of God because I'm confident in this very thing that if we ask anything according to his will, he not only hears us, but that's what God is obligated to do. And so we can deny the Lord theologically. Some of us are more knowledgeable about fantasy football in the leagues that we're getting in than we know about biblical theology, about doctrine, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. That We don't know nothing about that. And I believe the reason why Christians were so easily deceived into aligning ourselves more with a political party than Jesus. We picked political parties. We didn't pick Jesus. It's because we don't know the word of God. God says, my people are perishing for the lack of knowledge. We're unstable, immature, doctrinally. If you knew as much about your job as you know about Bible doctrine, you would have been fired a long time ago. It is a disgrace before God if we are more interested in learning about football fantasy leagues than we are about learning about Jesus as the Bible teaches about him because we're going to spend eternity with Jesus if you're saved. The scripture warns us against eating at everybody's table. One of the things that is happening since the pandemic, uh, people watching everybody's service online. Everybody, whatever you, whatever, say, oh, he's talking about that today. Oh, she, it's like going to McDonald's. Whatever your appetite of, uh, a crave, that's where you go. But the Bible says, I know, I don't want you to be like children who are easily deceived by every wind of doctrine, by the deceitful trickery of false teachers. You can't eat at everybody's table. Well, I watch a little bit of Pastor Benson, and then I watch a little bit of... Uh, BDG, and I watch a little bit of CHF. No, 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 no. You confuse. And that's why when the storms come, you have no anchor. You need to be theologically sound. No basic Bible doctrine. We teach that here. Somebody say amen. But here's the way that Paul talks about it in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Moral abandonment. Moral abandonment. This is not emotional, intellectual, or theological. This is moral. This has to do with your actions and your attitude. We abandon God by how our attitudes that are not the fruit of the Spirit and our actions. That's what he talks about in verses in chapter 3, first, uh, first, uh, uh, Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. There are 26 different actions and attitudes. And I'm just going to run through them real quick. We focus on lifestyles that deny Christ, 
while at the same time you profess to be saved, but your lifestyle looks more like this. He, but he, he said, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, ungodly. I never understood the big deal about disobedient to parents. I get it now. Oh, I understand that now. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ungodly, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of God, traitors, headstrong, haughty or arrogant, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And here's the kicker. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Three quick observations. When he talks about these attitudes and behaviors in the last of the last days, he is first of all referring to all of society. These characteristics are happening right in front of us every day. And it's not just Christians, but this has to do with unbelievers as well. Haters of God, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So this is a general statement that you'll see as we move closer to the end times. But then the second thing is, He's speaking specifically to Christians. He said that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of godliness. These are people who go to church. These are people who quote scriptures. These are people who can pray you to, into a shout. He says they look and sound like they really love Jesus, but in their private life, the attributes of the characteristics that I just read, they're haughty, they're unforgiving, they lack self-control, they're disrespectful to authority. Why? Because they do not submit to the Holy Spirit who is in their life. Some of us are waiting for the Red Sea to part and God to do something miraculous before we will be obedient. And I should think like that, I'd be in the girls' dorm. We weren't supposed to be in the girls' dorm. It was off limits. I'd be in the girls' dorm quoting scriptures. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I will instruct you and guide you in the way that you should go. And I'd be removing clothes, still quoting scriptures. Oh, 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 let me just be honest with you. And the reason that could happen is because in my foolish mind, I literally believed that God was somehow going to reach down from heaven and supernaturally slap me up or scoop me up and direct. No, 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 no. The Bible says don't tempt the Lord your God the same way I got into the girl's dorm. That's the way I had to take myself out of there. It's not enough just to know the scriptures. Are you obedient in the areas where the scriptures rub you the wrong way? The scripture says they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. But the third thing of observation is the main attack during the last days to destroy the church is directed to the home. Listen to what the scripture says. For of this sort are those who creep into households and take captive gullible women loaded down with sin, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Now, I believe the reason why Paul refers to women, because at this time, women were the primary adults in the home. And so if you can convince a woman through satanic seduction to turn away from God, now you've reached her children. And even though the man is supposed to be the head, the head can't turn anywhere without the neck, the woman that neck. And so what the devil does today is he uses our electronic devices that we do not supervise, and we allow our children to be converted to a worldview that denies that Jesus is who he is. And so when you lose the home, you've lost society. And when society has crumbled, then you're talking about a world that is not far behind in its collapse. And so that's where we are today. Homes have, we have not led our children to Christ. We have not instructed and guided them in the way of truth. The Bible says, parents, train up your children in the way that they should go. And when they're old... We've not trained our children. We've gotten them into the best schools. We brought them the most expensive sneakers and clothes and the designer this and that. We've paid fortunes for them to go here and there, and they, have, they don't have a heart for God. Don't have a heart for God. And so we need to be the watchmen over our homes, fathers. We need to stand guard and not allow any and everything to flow through, the, through these electronic devices that don't love they, this world, hates Jesus. The newscasters uh, that we listen to and we enjoy, they don't love Jesus. They are promoting an anti-Christian worldview. I don't care which news media you're following. They're not supporting a Christian view. Somebody say amen. Let me just run on. Now, why do professing Christians turn away from God? How can somebody that was so much, so on fire for Jesus, couldn't wait to get to church, read their Bible, to serve in their ministry? The first reason is delayed maturity, or I should say delayed spiritual growth. Here's what uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9 says. For though by now you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. There are people that have been in the church for years and are still on Gerber's, still haven't cut any spiritual teeth, still in the spiritual playpen carnal is all get out. And so one of the reasons why you can turn away from God is because you delayed in your spiritual growth. By now, you've been saved long enough, to, long enough to know how to live for the Lord. I want you to understand, when I got saved, I just wanted to grow. I made sure I found somebody to teach me about Jesus. I didn't know what I needed to know, but I did know that there was a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. If somebody has called you, you need to find somebody so that you can grow in the knowledge and the admonition of the Lord. Delayed spiritual growth. Here's another one, doctrine, doctrine of demons. Demonic demon, demonized teaching 
is teaching that has a seductive spirit. And what makes the, the spirit seductive or alluring or, or influencing even to train Christians is because people who do it use the word. I actually had a woman say, a man told her, he said, God said that man should not sleep alone. Now, God did say it's not good that man should be alone, but he didn't say that, that a man shouldn't sleep alone. Now, <laughs> he actually tried to quote scripture, and what made it seductive is because he said, God said, just like in the garden, uh, uh, Satan said to the serpent, did not God say? And so he'll use demonic Seductive spirits that sound true, but when you know the word, you can discern that it isn't true. Let me go on. Depraved desires will keep you away from the Lord and cause you to turn from God. You keep playing with sin. The Bible talks about this, about Demas who forsook, forsook Paul. He says, having loved this present world. There's some Christians who just love sin. They can resist anything but temptation. They just love partying. They get in church and they act like they tomatoes. They ain't raising their hand. They ain't praising the Lord. They ain't shouting, but put them on the dance floor. Turn the lights down. Put a glass in their hand. Oh, Lord, you can't sit them down. So depraved desires. Let me run on. Difficulty with, of, in your Christian life. Sometimes the, when you're persecuted, Paul, the Bible talks about that, that one of the reasons people turn away is that you think when you watch TV, everybody's just happy. Everything you do as a Christian is just great. You don't have any bills anymore. You never get uh, uh, feedback or pushback. No, no, no. The Bible says while you are in the world, you will have trials. And so people will quit following the Lord because they thought it was going to be easy since they're saved. Disappointments in life. Anybody ever been disappointed? Ted Turner, multimillionaire, the guy who started CNN in Atlanta, he said when he was growing up, he was, he was, his parents were devoted Christians. They took him to church every Sunday. He sung in the choir. He loved going to church, but his sister got sick. And he prayed. He said, Lord, heal my sister. She has a grave illness. Heal her. She died. And Ted Turner said that was the last day I went to church. He said, I decided then, why should I serve a, 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 a Christ that can't help me when I need him? He denounced Christianity. He said, I'm the happiest man in the world since I walked away from Christ. And so there are people who use the Lord like a rabbit's foot, like a good luck charm. And, and when the good luck charm don't work, we don't want Jesus no more. Let me run on. How can you avoid drifting from the Lord? I want you to understand that some of us think we're so spiritual. Some of us think we're so tight with God, and you've actually slipped. You've actually moved away. One of the ways that you know that you have is because sin doesn't bother you like it used to. You don't find yourself coming under conviction. You don't find yourself grieved by the things that God is grieved by. Oh, it got quiet up in here. Well, we're going to run on. Amen. Praise the Lord. Here's the first thing that you can do <coughs> to avoid Causing God have to have uh, causing God abandonment issues. Realize that Satan uses sedu sed seducing demonic spirits to lure us away from God. 
that's what that verse says. It says that demonic spirits use false teachers to lead you away from God. Anything that leads you away from God is demonic. I don't care how good he looks, how good she smells, how fine she walks. The Bible says that the, that the devil appears as an angel of light. If you're listening to something, some philosophy or some type of explanation about your life, about marriage, the definition of marriage, about sexual identity, and if it disagrees with the Lord, guess what? That is demonic. It's right from the pit because it doesn't direct you to God. It directs you away from God, and it will cause you to apostate, to apostatize, to, 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 to turn from God. Here we go. Recognize false teachers in their teachings. The Bible says you shall know them by their fruit. Look at their lifestyles. False teachers emphasize, they said you cannot marry and there's certain food. You need to be a vegetarian and if you eat meat, then you're not being obedient to God. If you're married, you're not as spiritual. God does say it's not good for some people to get married, but for most people, we should get married. The Bible says better to marry than to burn. And so recognize false teachers and their teaching. When what they're saying is contrary to what God is saying, it's false. I don't care if it's grandma or granddad. I went to one of the mothers of the church, and I was telling her I was struggling in my private life, and what should I do? She said, God understands you young. She said, sow your wild oats, boy. She said, just be careful. I think that's the first time I shouted. I said, hallelujah, oh my God. it all up in Mother Jameson's house. Sow your wild oats. She's the mother of the church. She's a false teacher or misinformed. I'll give her that. Refuse to be overconfident. You can drift away. Remain accountable. Who is your spiritual accountability partner? Who can tell you that you're wrong? Who can ask you about your marriage and you be honest with them and they can tell you it's not your wife, it's you. The Bible says that we should be accountable one to another. Two are better than one. Iron sharpens iron. Who are you accountable to? That's why we don't want to forsake the assembling together of ourselves as something. Yeah, you can stay home, but you aren't accountable. You can listen to whoever you want, but your shepherd knows what you need to be eating. Who are you accountable to? Who's the last time? When's the last time somebody told you were wrong and you accepted it? When's the last time you apologized because somebody called you on your stuff? Had a guy in the church, he used to walk around doing Bible study, just shaking keys. Sometimes you don't need to give some people keys. Don't give certain people keys. That meant he didn't have to go to Bible study. That means he didn't. No, no, no. You never become so spiritual that you can't learn. You're setting yourself up for drifting from the Lord. Read and apply the word. Not just read. Well, I've been my Bible today and I had my devotions. Let me tell you what the devotions about. You ain't doing them. If you're not obeying the word, you you. you the information is 18 inches from the wrong place. It's not in your heart. We don't need information. We need application of the information. Here's a final thing. 
Repent when you sin. The Bible says a little leaven, leaven if the whole lump. Not only do you need to know what's wrong from false teachers, you need to know what's right. He said it's, God didn't say it's wrong to get married. God didn't say that it's wrong to eat meat. You can eat whatever meat God created. Just pray over it before you eat it. That's the truth. So it's one thing to know something's wrong. It's another thing to know how it's wrong. That's when you go back to the, I can't answer you right now, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to talk to my pastor. I'm going to talk to the elder. I'm going to talk to the deacon. I'm going to open up my Bible. Repent when you sin. When God spoke to Jonah, I can't wait until I can move around and run again. Uh, I can't wait. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach to that great city because I am about to destroy them for their sin. Nineveh, Jonah heard the word of God, but what God said, he didn't agree with. And so Jonah decided to apostatize. He decided to abandon God. The Bible says that he got on a ship going 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Instead of going to Nineveh, he went, got on the ship going to Tarsus. He left the ministry. He quit the church. He quit. I, don't, I ain't no preacher no more. I just take this cloth off. I just put my Bible in the back of the trunk. I'm done with this Christian believing thing. If I got to go and preach to those heathens, I got to go preach to some Ku Klux Klan. I got to go preach to somebody who don't like me. If I got to love my enemies and pray for them who despitefully use me and bless those who curse me, I, I'm just going to give up on this Christian thing. I ain't that saved. The Bible says that Jonah went into the bottom of the ship. And when you're running from the Lord, all hell can be breaking out all around us, just like it is through this pandemic. And we're just partying, and we're just having a ball, and we're just doing our thing. And the storm of divine judgment has broken out all around us. But like Jonah in our rebellion, we're sleeping at the bottom of the deck. The only thing that got Jonah's attention were unsaved sellermen, the, sellmen, the, the sellers, sellers. They came down and said, isn't there somebody else on this boat? We're in a hurricane. We've thrown everything overboard that we can. We're about to die. They go down, and there is Jonah. They said, how in the world are you able to sleep through a hurricane? I want you to understand, when you're in rebellion, when you're in a backslidden condition, you don't even know you, that there's a flood in Philadelphia. You don't know that none of this stuff happened. It's almost like it's a dream. You're so caught up in your flesh. But the light came on for Jonah. When they woke him up, Jonah said, this is because of me. The reason why all of your lives are in danger it's because I have fled from the Lord. I have apostatized. I have denounced the Lord's call on my life. And until I'm off this ship, until I, I and he didn't even know what God was going to do. But I, here's the point. It, he, he recognized that it was his behavior that was causing the consequences. You, you, you can be under divine chastisement. 
And, and we are right now. The judgment of the Lord is all around us. The end times are happening just like the word of God said that they will. But we're so blind in our carnality, in our backslidden condition. We're sleeping through the storm. And the danger is that while we're sleeping, the impact of our disobedience has generational consequences. Everybody on that boat was in danger because of Jonah's disobedience. I want you to know that the seed that God wants to give birth to you is in danger if you don't turn from being a backslider, if you don't turn from rebelling against God, if you don't turn from drifting from God, if you don't make a commitment, I'm going to stop playing. Because my behavior can cause people to die. Because God will capture those who belong to him, even if it means taking out everybody around you. Stand with me. God loves you so much that when you don't do what he says, he has issues with that. Oh, I had a little girlfriend who lived right across the street from me. My mom knew what kind of girl she was. I love that girl. I was in the seventh grade, Sister Benson, way long time ago. Long, long time ago. And my mom would just be just cruel to me. She said, you can't go out today. So I would sit in the front window. And my girlfriend, Janice, lived right across the street. And I would see different guys. Oh, God, I'm about to cry right now. At her door, inside the door, her parents weren't there. And that just destroyed me. But every time I got back out, guess where I was? Right over there with Janice. And, 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 and what I learned from that is that's how we do Jesus. <laughs> he sees us flirting with our eye. We got eyes for everything but God. We, 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 we cheat on God. And there's nothing that we do that is hidden. And you know how crushed you are at the very thought that somebody would cheat on you. But we do that when we drift from God. When we don't give God our best. And I just want to challenge you today. We are in the last days. Let's not be a part of the many who are falling away. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God, may we not be overconfident. God, you said he who thinks he stands is subject to falling. Father, may we take our eyes off of the other pew. And may we declare that it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, who stands in the need of prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing us back closer to you today. In Christ's name, amen.